Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Can you um, can you like make a little rustling sound effect for me? Like paper should be shuffled fully. Okay, okay. Now throw that paper away, Jamie. That's right. The Oscar campaign for this year begins (laughs) right now. And 2024 is the year Anne Hathaway gets her best actress nomination. All right? She's going to get best lead actress. She's going to win it. She's going to clear the plate. Jamie, what do you have for breakfast? Uh, a big fry up. Uh, but before we move on, why was I rustling the paper? Oh, because I was telling you to like have some papers and then throw it away. We're, we're starting again. Take uh, all your predictions and throw them in the okay, trash. Okay, <laughs> my predictions are on a piece of paper which I'm rustling at this current time. Is is the is the is well, the it's premise. trash now. Yes, it's now <laughs> okay. trash. Okay, well, okay. Well, I'd argue your premise. Um, perhaps much like the movie we're talking about today was loose. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blank Spank Season 2, The Hathaway Slash Away, the show where we chronologically review Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon and with me as always, but not as always because we're actually in person for once, it's Al. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Toronto, Al. I'm in oh. your house. Oh, Jamie, <laughs> would it surprise you if I told you that this was the not the first podcast we've recorded uh, <laughs> since you've arrived? Look, that is a spoiler for something for many months from now. But um, it does make this, I believe, Leave the seventh different location at least that we've recorded at. Uh, yeah. We've recorded at both of both of our respective familial homes. Yeah. Uh, we've recorded at your flat in Brixton, my mm. flat in Brixton. We definitely recorded at one of the other flats I did, either the one in Clapham or the one in Herndale. I, I can't remember. Oh no, we did. I thought you meant your first flat in Brixton. We didn't record at the. the... Oh, I think we did one time. No, for the one of the the house fire. Yeah, no, the one for the house no, fire. I don't think we ever recorded. Oh, okay, it. well I'll take that away. But then one of my other ones. No, we did. We recorded the Streets of Philadelphia episode there. There you go. There that, you go. So uh, that I've add that one back in. We're up to five. Uh, we then have your house in Vancouver. Yep. Uh, and now your house here. Yep. Seventh different location. That, that we have recorded in person, uh, we can add uh, at least one more, which is where I've recorded yeah. um, from. Now, now I I like this. I like this, the Jamie, because as podcast. the seventh location, this is clearly the lucky rec- location, and everything we record in this apartment, it will be gold. Yeah, yeah That yeah. is a promise to you, yeah, ladies ab- and gentlemen. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not spoilers for a few months' time. Anyway, um, you, you anything to catch up our dear listeners on? When did we last record? What was the last episode we did? Barbenheimer! Oh, Barbenheimer, of course. Our, our, our bonus Barbenheimer episode where we were so sick and tired of talking about shit movies that we decided to talk about two good movies. Anything happened to you since the uh, obviously the world was rocked by Barbenheimer? Uh, you know, uh, I've been watching a lot of movies, Jamie. I think when we talked about there, I was uh, on maybe like 50 movies at the time. I can't remember where I was. Maybe like 70. I'm now up to uh, 100 and what after this? Like 26, 25? Uh, that's too many. I will say I've also picked up, I've, I've you know, I've watched 13 movies since um, uh, since then. So, you know, that I, that's that I've, I've, I've picked up pace. I mm. feel, um, you know, my uh, my knowledge of the filmic universe is, uh, is expanding and, and will be necessary to discuss the 
terrific piece of art we are discussing today. Yeah. Um, do, do we want to dive straight into it, or do, we, or do you have anything else to say? You know, uh, Jamie, uh, as much as I uh, long to, to talk about uh, She Comes to Me, of course, the film that we are talking about today. She Came to Me. She Came to Me, not She Comes to Me. Uh, is <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I don't even have to make the you know jo- yeah, jokes there. Cool. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, we're going to go see some uh, basketball tonight. We are. We're going to watch the Toronto Raptors versus the Philadelphia 76ers Have I told you my pitch for if Toronto gets a WNBA team, what the WNBA team should be called? No. Now, let me see. Is there an obvious woman-based pun or rhyme from the word Toronto? Um, I'm gonna go with the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Bleats because bleats? you know women they bleat on. What? They're the worst women. They just won't stop bleating. No, okay. Like sheep. Like sheep. Yeah, but I do believe it's also a verb that can be used for a human being, as in to whine. <laughs> Okay, it, was it was it that Alexander? Was it the Toronto no, Maple Leafs? No, for Jamie, that apparently when women talk, you hear the sounds of sheep bleating. <laughs> makes so much sense to me. Uh, no, I, you know, you're going off on a little uh, side tangent there. Okay. I was thinking more, you know, what are these fabulous brands we got? The Toronto Raptors. Okay, who? What else do we have? Well, we've got. Uh, what do we have in Toronto? Well, we've famously got snow, uh, but that's not very good. Nothing good no, there. No. Uh, we got a big needle. Uh, but that doesn't feel very, you know, like like safe or the thing to do fun stuff with. We've got Drake. We've got Drake. Okay. So hear me out. We make Drake sole owner of the WNBA team. Seems like a thing he might want to do, and then people would not like him doing in years to come. Cool. Okay. And we call it the Toronto Rappers. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Um. It's just like a little like microphone for the logo. Okay. It's like the jazz, um, but like I've, I've got to be honest. I, I get that there are some sports teams that name are named after professions, mm-hmm. um, but I would argue that most of them are old professions, yep. so as to not be confusing. For example, there are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you're not going to think that it's an actual group of Buccaneers. Whereas the Toronto Rappers, yeah. you, you might just think they're a group of rappers. I would throw out that it's better than the Seattle Storm, uh, a team we've seen, and you think that's a really cool name. Up until you think about, well, what if you just wanted to like shorthand it and you realise the team is the SS? Okay, well, oh yes, no, it's better It's better than that. Okay, yeah. Set that was the, the same for the Supersonics. Set the Stop with the alliteration, no, no, Seattle. No, no, uh, the Seattle Supersonics, that's definitely three S's. Supersonic is one word, I <laughs> <laughs> So unfortunately, Jamie, um, they, look, but they should have stood to Look, Seattle, we will accept. Unfortunate name for alliteration. Yeah. Can I give you a similar, but... Similar Drake-based pitch. Sure. Now, Drake, famously the rapper. Yeah. But there is also an actor that goes by that name, whose surname very appropriately would fit a WNBA team, so I'm going for the Toronto Bells. They're going to be owned by Drake, (laughs) but it's not that Drake. It's owned by Drake Bell, and it's Toronto Bells. Okay, so you went for the creepy one from Drake and Josh, yeah, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. absolutely. But, but the, one, the yeah. one who had a feminine-sounding surname. I can't I can't call them the Toronto Pecks for Josh Peck, can I? You can call the Toronto Pecks. Uh, <laughs> That's the sound of two uh, men who have run out of things to say and therefore know they have to talk about this week's film, which is She Came to Me. Now, 
We do know Alexander. Well, a bit, well we, we should establish what this film is because some people may not know what this film is because it's not exactly got a wide release, has it, Alexander? Well, in North America, it's got 300 uh, cinemas, which obviously is a lot lower than something like Barbie. It's not nothing. Like, this is probably wider release. Now, here's, here's the real question. Is this getting a wider release than the new David Fincher movie is? In terms of number of cinemas. But the David Fincher movie is a Netflix, Netflix movie, film, sure. which they are assume releasing in cinemas maybe for Oscar reasons? I, I'm not really sure. I think increasingly a lot of the bigger directors who make contracts with Netflix put it in their rider that they need to have some form of theatrical cool. release. Cool, cool, uh, I don't think that's what's happening here, Alexander. Sure. I think this film just isn't very good and didn't get a very wide release. In fact, at time of recording, it has been out uh, for the maths... 22 days, so three full weeks, and it currently has a box office of $786,696. I believe it's a little bit higher now. I think it might be as of last week. On Box Office Mojo, I think it gives it uh, like 836. So oh, wow, it's made an extra. No, that was an Jamie, extra 50 grand. Jamie, okay, all I want to say is do you make. 60 grand in 20 days? Okay? No, no I don't. No, no I don't. Then maybe don't sit on your um, high horse and criticise this film until you bring daddy back the money. But you may think, well, we should say it's uh, written and directed by uh, Rebecca Miller, um, mostly known for most recently Maggie's Plan from uh, a few years ago. It does actually have a pretty solid highline cast. Uh, Peter Dinklage, Marissa Tomei and Anne Hathaway are our three... Uh, big star actors uh, it obviously with many of these independent films did the, um, what are they called well they, where they get the films and the, the they show them to people festivals the festivals that's the one the film festival circuit a little bit it opened in uh, Berlin uh, earlier this year uh, but yes only just about got a limited uh, US and not UK release. Now, I didn't actually fly to this country just to be able to watch this film, but I wouldn't have been able to if I wasn't flying to this country. So, uh, fortunately, we did find the one cinema in Toronto uh, showing this um, middling film, I would say. It's, uh, it's sitting at about 45% of Rotten uh, Tomatoes. No, that, that, Jamie, if I was to go by what Rotten Tomatoes uh, said, then uh, I would believe that Paddington 2 is the best movie ever made. And you know what? Maybe it is. But Rotten Tomatoes could shut the fuck up about it, alright? So yeah, Anne Hathaway is in this film, so that's why we're talking about it. You don't have to sound so sad. I do. No, Ow. you don't. Um, no. Okay. So right. I'm happy. Here's do, the do, problem. You have, do you have anything else you want to say before yeah, we get before into Before the... we start, here's yeah. all you need to know about this movie. All the way through, Jamie kept going, Ow, is this a comedy? And I would say, Yes. And then he'd go, I don't think it is a comedy. And then something very weird and wacky would happen on screen. He went, Maybe it is a comedy. No, it isn't a comedy. Over and over again. Okay, Al. You're, you're doing that to mock me. I get one. No, no, you're no, doing no, no, that no, to no, mock no. me. No, no. I will have perfectly legitimate criticisms sure. of this film sure. that mean That's... that maybe I should know whether it's a comedy. That's not my issue. My issue, Jamie, is you know I don't like people talking in the cinemas. Two days ago. Yeah. Hey, two days ago, you were judging people at a comedy show talking behind you. Okay, well, firstly, Al, we should say... We were 66% of the audience in this cinema. I do believe it is more socially acceptable to speak in a cinema where there is one old man six rows behind us than in a full comedy show where they weren't just... They were having conversations. They weren't just whisp whispering, I would add. I was whispering. The men behind us in the comedy show were not whispering. 
Occasionally they were just repeating what was said on stage. <laughs> and occasionally they were reacting to it like they were watching a movie where real things were happening to real people, <laughs> not a comedy show. They were being like someone would be in a, a, a comedic jape on stage where perhaps they've got in a car crash and the person behind us would go, oh no! <laughs> but in the same way... You would watch this movie and someone would, I won't say who, take their top off and then you go, is this meant to be a joke? Which I appreciate. I appreciate no, I will, nothing else. I will that argue that Jones... Anne Hathaway has taken a top off in many films and it's not been a joke. So I think it's it's unfair of you and I think it is unfair of Hollywood to now think that Anne Hathaway taking her top off is a joke. That is why Hollywood is going the wrong way. We've had this discussion recently. Hollywood is sexy and it's not horny and that is my main campaign for today all <laughs> <laughs> oh, right al it's your favorite part of the show go for it this film begins as all good films should with a man opening his mouth and warbling out of it that's right ladies and gentlemen this film is about opera peter dinklage uh, plays a composer who has not successfully composed an opera in five years after the opening of his last show he had a mental breakdown and has not been able to write since. In the meantime... Now, now Alexander, you've done that so succinctly yeah. and clearly. Where did you get such amazing summary of the exact situation of Peter Dinklage's uh, situation? Is it maybe from the most exposition-y dialogue <laughs> that you've basically quoted <laughs> word for word? <laughs> Essentially, and to continue on from that bit of expositionary dialogue, in the meantime, he started dating uh, his therapist and married his therapist, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Now, uh, we, we're going to put a little pin in this for now, okay? Okay. Okay, the, just Anne Hathaway in there, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, age 54, Anne Hathaway, age, I want to say, 43. Uh, 54 to 40? That's not that bad no, no, these no, 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 days. No, no. My issue is that... Why don't I say these days? <laughs> like in the old. past. No, no, she's 40. I think she's that's, 40. I, I, I believe it. It's absolutely... I'm not saying there's a moral issue with that. Okay. But we will get back to your uh, pre-show assumptions Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, coming in. Uh, well, okay, yeah, we will. Well... Sure. That's also to do with my yeah. issue with Hollywood. Um, Anne Hathaway has a uh, is a psychiatrist. Uh, she has a uh, son uh, with her uh, former husband. Former husband. Or, former well, slash ex, because they seemingly broke up before he died. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We we don't. Were they married? I don't know if they were. The implication was they were married, but someone really else. Matter. You know, but someone. The, 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 this will come back later. I put a pin in that question, Jamie. Put a pin in it. So, uh, we can tell that Peter Dinklage is having a panic attack even just being at this uh, gala opening. Uh, someone comes out to him he's on the new board uh, of this uh, arts committee, seemingly. Yeah. They've commissioned Peter Dinklage to write something, and he's asking for a uh, reading score of it. In, yeah, uh, score in, in two, two weeks. weeks. Uh, at this point, uh, Peter Dinklage has uh, a bit more of a breakdown. He's working with uh, a librettist, uh, libre not libretto, librettist, I think, uh, to write it. Uh, however, although they are working on something early on, uh, he proceeds to uh, 
give up on it. He's like, I don't yeah, feel I, it. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I'm, I can't. I can't get excited by this. Uh, and so, as the librettist, having been very excited, but maybe perhaps a little bit forced because he's just trying to get anything down on the page, he's like, I've taken another job uh, with. Peter Sheffel or whatever his name yeah. is, um, and uh, Peter Dinklage isn't happy with him no. doing that, but whatever. He goes back to his um, uh, his wife. It's early morning. She's uh, getting ready, and Peter Dinklage has a bright idea. He's like, "I'm married to Anne Hathaway." Now, despite what Hollywood thinks, Anne Hathaway is still a very attractive woman. What if we had sex? And she says, no. It's a Thursday. What are you possibly thinking about? And I just want to say, Hollywood, I still maintain things that Anne Hathaway is sexy. Because Mm -hmm. every single man in this movie says Anne Hathaway is sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But I agree that it is, I heard you groan audibly in the audience as soon as it's like, oh no, this character is this. Yeah, yeah, no, this character is... This uh, neurotic, like prissy, uptight wife. Yeah. She's uh, she can't have sex because it's a Thursday. That's not when they have sex. Now, now importantly, uh, this is where it starts. We'll see how she goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she she this... might get more and more neurotic as yeah. uh, as this goes on. And Hathaway kicks uh, Peter Dinklage out of the house. She's like, go have a walk. You need to interact with real people. You need to uh, you know stimulate yourself, make decisions. He's got decision paralysis. And she's like, if you go and you just turn left or right, you'll make decisions in the first place. Uh, we have at this point also met uh, the young couple of this film, um, who are the son, the son of Peter. Di- well, Anne Hathaway's son um, uh, from the former marriage, uh, and a young woman. Uh, they appear to be having sex for the first time. They take a Polaroid before and after. Yeah. Well, we don't see the after. We say that see them take a Polaroid before, and she goes, "I wonder if we'll look different after." Um, but we are introduced to her, and then. I- did not realise that's why what she meant by that until now. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. And uh, we also briefly meet her family. Um, she's got uh, a mother. I seem. I don't know if we learn it at this point, but a similar situation where she is uh, daughter to the mother. Uh, the mother is now married to another man who's. Um, she's not. This comes up later in the film. Weirdly, weirdly are not married. They're not he married. He adopted yeah. the daughter, but, but they're they not are married. never married. Yes, but either way, he is now. The, the Guardian there, they're both a couple in the house with this uh, young woman um, who is dating the children of... The other, the son of uh, Anne Hathaway. Pete Dinklage goes out on his walk. Uh, he's got his dog with him. Called Stephen, I think. I think his dog's called Pad Thai. I'm not joking. I genuinely think his dog's okay, called I, Pad Thai. I don't remember what his dog is <laughs> called. <laughs> <laughs> I love you how you Stephen because on the screen next to this we have co-producer Stephen Boyd. A little clue about look up why what Stephen Boyd has co-produced, you might find out what other podcasts we recorded while I'm here. Um, I don't know what the Wikipedia is not going to say the name of the dog, is it? Um, anyway, um, he's out with the dog and he uh, ends up at a bar just to take a piss. Um, but then he decides, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna have a whiskey. Uh, he's clearly indecisive. He can't even decide what what a man. He can't even decide what whiskey he wants. He's Jameson and something else he ends up on Jameson he also gets a whiskey and water and as a Scotsman did you see how much fucking water was in that whiskey maybe this is like a New York thing I don't know like I've I've heard of people getting a wee bit of water like sure yeah like a a, a splat like a couple drops to open the flavours or whatever uh, or like having other rocks, but like a whiskey and water, which is just watered down whiskey is yeah it was was an odd choice Um, but then out of nowhere (laughs) and I and I did 
put my head down again when this happened. Um, comes a woman shouting from behind uh, saying, because okay, he's eating uh, bar peanuts, she says, those will give you hepatitis, you know? She doesn't talk like that. Um, no, and, and, and the camera pans. And, and I can only describe it as... Well, I can describe it as Marissa Tomei. Yeah. In a tugboat captain, like, cosplay level costume. Yeah. Um, who has been... I guess slightly dirt, like put, put a little bit of dirt on her face to make you try and believably believe that this woman has been a tugboat captain for 40 fucking years. Yep. Um, but she doesn't. She doesn't look like a tugboat captain that's been a captain for five years. She looks like Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei is a very attractive woman. Yeah. And I'm not saying... Look, to any any tugboat captains listening, I'm sure you're real hot. But, you know, on average, (laughs) it looks weird. Did you you feel the same when she came? I I genuinely felt like, why is... It looked odd. It looked really incongruent to the rest of the film. No one else looked like they were absurdly dressed up like they're in an SNL skit. Jamie, uh, I believe we don't use the term tugboat anymore. I believe, if I'm correct, it's jerk-off character. <laughs> well, that's very appropriate, as we'll learn for Teresa Tomei's character. But yes, that was um, a start to, again, my confusion about whether this was a comedy or not. <laughs> because, because, and, and again, I'll come back to this over and over, because it was so absurd that it was completely discordant with the rest yes, of the film. Yes, no, that's the... Yeah, it, like, it's... Because like, like, that's my... It reminds me of your feelings about Colossal, where, like, you'll both be, like, my favourite genre is dramedy, and then there'll be Colossal, which is a dramedy, and you're like, I didn't realise it was a, meant to be, like, kind of a comedy until basically I, the end. I think we will accept that with Colossal it was a... Expectations. It was though. expectations. Yeah. With this, I genuinely think the tone is weird and, yes, and no, no, inconsistent. It is, it is. So, Marissa Tomei is a quote-unquote jerk-off captain. It, she, she, does not believe, she doesn't believable look. Anyway, um, uh, but she strikes... I up think with, she looks fine. I want to say I, I quite like the costume. I think I think she looks, you know, suitably tough. No, she doesn't. She it's, looks weathered no, by the sea. No, she looks like fucking Marissa Tomei. She looks like Marissa Tomei, Al. And Marissa Tomei doesn't look like a tugboat captain. It's bad casting, bad costume, name, bad makeup. Name one tugboat captain you've um, seen ever in oh, your life. I, I thought you were going to say name an actress, and I can tell you exactly who it is. It's Frances McDormand. Yeah, Frances McDormand. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this movie with Frances McDormand in that way would be great. Way better. That'd be really good. Anyway, so they strike up a bit of a conversation. He talks about how he's a composer. Um, uh, of music but he's sort of struggling at the moment uh, she talks about how she's a tugboat captain apparently um, and has been one and lived on a boat and grew up on a boat etc uh, and then she's like hey you want to come see my boat and he's like yeah sure I guess and throughout this whole sequence and the next little bit um, Peter Stinklage is uh, realistically and, and playing a, a man who seems a bit over, over his head yeah. and a bit anxious but it makes for a weird 
tonal inconsistency with what comes across as quite an absurd scene as she shows him around the boat um shows him an axe <laughs> for some reason he's like ah, and it's kind of threatening then she takes him back to uh, her bedroom and she just goes ah oh, this is weird isn't it i'm actually um addicted to love and romance i kind of i'm into stalking uh, i went to rehab i'm, thought into, I, stalking. I'm into stalking no she says exactly that i'm into stalking i kind of went to rehab for it thought i was done with it but ah oh, here i am go fucking again you want to fuck um and it's again absurd it's an absurd scene yeah but peter dinklage doesn't seem to be aware of that because he is playing a more realistic dramatic scene which is a man who's about to cheat on his wife and I, is very unsure about i've it. been thinking about this the film uh jumps a lot like you say in... i've been thinking about this oh no, we, whoa okay uh, you say uh, <laughs> the computer went yeah. Uh, Dar for a second and I'll freak out. You say I've been thinking about this. Al, we finished watching this film 35 minutes ago. No, no, sure. I've been measuring the film of the film changes ratio a lot. So we use. Uh, it's not animal. Uh, we use. Handheld? Uh, no, no, no. It uses 4x3 uh, in certain scenes, the kind of the box around yeah. it. In uh, other bits will be. I, I think it might be Academy, but I don't, I don't know exactly which one it's across to, but it's not 16 by 9 But I think in those scenes, when this it becomes a box. It's meant to be you are entering his subjective perspective. So it's this story that he is telling to himself. I think that is the internal explanation of why it aggressively jumps between those styles so often. Because you will not see that in most... It's a weird thing to do in a film, to jump that aggressively often in ratios. I think... Al... I think you're working really hard. I think these you're people... working really hard to defend that. No, no, no I, I just, but I, 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 otherwise you just wouldn't do it. There's no, there's no reason to do that unmotivated. But, but, but it's, it's not. That's not clear at all. Like that, no, that's just a thing to read in. That's just a, I think a choice that has been made. I'm not saying it's like. Okay, well, I'll, I'll say it's a bad choice. If that, if that's what you're, spo- if that's how you're supposed to tell, I don't think you're supposed to tell. I think it's just meant to make it feel more dreamy. Okay. Which it does. It makes it feel more dreamy. It goes from like these very like cold shots to these very like warm and kind of weirdly ethereal, like very tight up on him shots. This is unfair because you get to say this and no one who is listening has seen this, this film. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it just sounds really smart. <laughs> it sounds like high level film critique and I sound like a dumbass going, this film doesn't know it's funny or not. Which it doesn't. This film doesn't know whether it's funny or it not. It does know whether it's funny. That's why it makes jokes all the time. It's, it's a not, hilarious comedy, no, it's everyone. Not, Go see it's it. Not. In the cinemas, please. Um, so, yeah. She's like... She, she, she reveals all of that. And Peter Dinklage doesn't leave. They have sex. And they have sex. Um, yeah, Marissa Tomei... Uh, again... It, I, okay, so this... this I, will, I will give you that this little, little bit... More like a normal comedy. Like, he's still wearing his life jacket yeah. and she has to take it off him and it's a little bit awkward. And she's, like, undressing from a, from her tugboat sure. captain shit and she's wearing lingerie underneath. More normal, grounded comedy, yeah. sort of. <laughs> Not true of a lot of the comedy of this film. He then cuts... So we then... He's now written the musical. Uh, yeah, the he, yeah, this this gives him um, the, uh, the impetus he needs and he has written the opera, which is... Basically, word for word, this yeah. that what just happened to Can him. I, yeah, I want to throw out what if, how would your feelings for this movie be if instead of Peter Dinklage it was Lin Manuel Miranda? 
it would be worse. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it'd be kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's basically just written this, but as a... Uh, as an opera, but also now the woman, the tugboat captain is a murderer. Yeah, she's a murderer and like a sea witch kind of character. Yeah. Uh, that in rehearsals for it, uh, he clearly empathises with this character. He doesn't want her to be played as a mean sea witch murderer. Uh, but the cast is just like, all right, you're kicked out. He's kicked out. Yeah, yeah. He keeps uh, on like interrupting and pinning over one like. In little the bit. meantime, we have some subplots going on um, around the sun. That's my other thing with this. Most of this film feels like every plot is the B plot in a yeah, sitcom. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, the son specifically, as it turns out, is dating the girl Jimmy mentioned earlier. Uh, but the girl's mother is the housekeeper. At uh, the son's house. Now they... uh, the new housekeeper. Like, new she's housekeeper. just been hired. Yeah. Uh, Anne Hathaway is fucking weird when she's having a conversation with her. She, um, she likes cleaning. She really likes cleaning. Her, like, meeting gets cancelled and she agrees to clean with her cleaner. Um, uh, and then come back the couple. Um, and she's like, oh, this is this is Marissa, our cleaner. And this is Taylor, whatever the girl's name is. And uh, the girl goes, that's my mum. So that's, you know, that's awkward, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit, bit uncomfortable, you know, we're from different side of the tracks yeah. sort of stuff. Um, can't remember what happens next. Uh, they have a conversation about it, uh, Anne Hathaway and her son, uh, but I think it's kind of agreed that they are allowed to be, like, uncomfortable about it, but obviously don't fire the... Uh, don't fire the mum. The mum uh, is unhappy. Uh, she doesn't with... want her daughter really dating. She anyone, doesn't want her seriously. daughter dating. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Both of the mums in this situation, there's a lot of parallels. Both of them had their kid while young yeah. with their former relationship. So uh, the mum to the daughter is, uh, you know, anxious about her not making the same mistakes. That you know she's still got to go to school. That you know she's got to get scholarships and work real hard and doesn't want to get railroaded into this uh, boy. The mum, the girl is obviously like. And again, this is parts where, like, when we get to the drama, it's like, re- it's like quite melodramatic. It's like yeah, very yeah. sincere. The drama, the drama. drama is the worst part of this. But it's and it's very sincere. Yeah, it's yeah. very no, sincere I'm, I'm, and I'm sure. normal compared to the ridiculousness of some of yeah. the other situations. Anyway, so, so her mum, while uh, cleaning at her house, finds Polaroid pictures um, of them. Uh, qu- quite a lot of them, yeah. actually. She look. Actually, before this, um, the uh, couple meet the mum yeah. and the daughters. Well, and the, uh, yes, we've also seen the step down a little bit before yeah. of the no, sorry, the adopted father of uh, the girl. Uh, he clearly he has mind, some yeah. weird kind of like uh, the vibe is quasi incestual. Like, like obviously he's not blood related to this girl, but he's domineering in a way that is uncomfortable and uh, it feels bad. Uh, he is basically doesn't like this uh, boyfriend at all. It's implied uh, it's quite, there's a pretty strong racist undertone. Yeah, quite, to it. quite heavily implied that he's uh, racist because Trey is black. Magdalena, I have found their names. Um, <laughs> that is uh, is white. Um, but yeah, they they meet for dinner. Uh, Trey is the picture of a lovely boyfriend. He's yeah. very kind and courteous. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the stepdad is a, a prick. Um, we find out he's a stenographer and we find this out because he makes the children read out the newspaper very quickly. Yes. So he's not a stenographer, he's a court reporter. Um, uh, makes them read out the newspaper real quickly while he yep. writes it out. Um, and he also uh, lightly brags that uh, he's done it so many times that you know he feels like he's basically a lawyer himself. He's sitting there in court going, oh, aren't you going to object to that? He's a cunt. Anyway, 
Uh, at this point, so they uh, the show is put on. Uh, it's a resounding success. But who is in the audience, Jamie? Uh, Marissa Tomei is Marissa in the Tomei audience. Is in the audience now. See, it's kind of unclear how she ends up in the audience, but um, she's back in town with her tugboat, and she uh, sees Peter Dinklage afterwards, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm your muse." Again, this was perhaps one of the times where I thought, is this a comedy? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think this was when I actively turned to you and asked, is this a comedy? Yeah. For the first time. Um, uh, and Peter Dinklage, understandably, is uh, a little bit freaking out. Um, so he uh, runs away uh, back to um, his house. He escapes through the bathrooms. Uh, meanwhile, Anne Hathaway and her son are both reveling in the play but they never find uh, Peter Dinklage they come home and find him uh, having a panic attack in the yeah. bed uh, so uh, they've had a panic attack in the bed and Hathaway's very nice she gives him um, some of his medication uh, however she finds out that he's wearing shoes in the bed goes crazy and uh, you know decides she wants to give the house away to a convent that's at that point yeah yeah, yeah. yeah she starts to get she's been giving away stuff We've to seen like th- yeah. th- giving away she's stuff to the church. More Catholic. Uh, Magdalena's mother uh, was like a reformed Catholic, so she's like, "Hmm, Catholicism. I remember that." None of this is really that explained. She comes to the show. Uh, it was Ash Wednesday. She comes with the ashes on her forehead. Uh, anyway, so back to the child plot. Uh, Magdalena and what's his Trey. name? Trey, uh, because they were taking those uh, cheeky Polaroid oh, yes. nudes. Oh, so yeah, that we we sort of jump back. But yeah, t- she, the mother shows those to the stepdad. And again, in his, he he looks at them for way like he he goes through like five or six of them. These are again photos of his stepdaughter. In some cases, partially nude, if not nude. Yeah. It's very odd. Looks at like five or six of them, but he immediately and again, where I can't tell whether like this very specific bit is supposed to be funny or dramatic. He's like. This is a, how old is he? Yeah. And she's like, he's just celebrated a big birthday. And I was like, this is a crime. Yeah. Everyone has to be treated the same. This is statutory rape. And technically, technically, it's child pornography. Like it's yeah. It, that, that's but what, that's not. But that's not what he. No, he says he, statutory rape. He, he's called up on the which statutory. Which is weird because I would say child pornography. Yeah. Charges. Um, but um, <laughs> that's what you. If you look, if you were trying to take down this as kid, the appropriate adopted father. But I again, would, uh, his reaction here is both. Severely impactful and yeah. dramatic, but also ridiculous and weird, yeah. right? So, I it, again, it really... The, the tonal inconsistency of this film really sent me through loops. Anyway, so he decides that because um, he... Oh, you're really exclusively because he just doesn't want uh, Trey dating his uh, stepdaughter, um, that he's going to try and uh, crack down uh, on these kids. He presents the photos to Magdalena. Uh, Magdalena comes home. And she's like, yeah, so we be fucking like what, old man? Uh, and he pulls out his phone where he has been recording her. Yeah, he's, and he's like, sweet, now I've got probable cause. I can fucking prosecute your son. He, your he, he brought out the old Uno reverso yeah. card <laughs> and uh, made headway. Uh, so that's going on. Marissa Tomei has now moved to Brooklyn and is freaking out. Uh, uh, it's freaking out. Peter Dinklage, uh, Peter Dinklage. Um, and yeah so she like finds him on the street and she's like I'm your muse it's like you're not my muse yeah. like, but why I'm, I'm why you made the show it's like okay you're my muse and again a, a weird conversation I, this these two characters specifically yeah, yeah. like one of them like Peter Dinklage feels really grounded really dramatic really sincere like he's giving a very I think he comes across as a very good tortured artist 
And Marissa Tomei is a fucking cartoon character. So this conversation is really weird. But anyway, he's like, no, yeah, it's difficult. Sorry, I just think you need help. And she's like, yeah, okay, maybe you're you're right. Uh, and because this is a comedy, she goes to therapy with Anne Hathaway. Yep. Um, and she uh, immediately comes and is like, I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've gone to therapy before for, for romance uh, addiction and love addiction. And, you know, I'm, I'm really into stalking. Again, I think that's exactly how she yep. puts it. Um, oh, we have missed also uh, an earlier scene where we've only met one of other uh, of um, Anne Hathaway's characters, uh, Anne Hathaway's clients, who is played by... Chris something. He's a stand-up comedian. He's Chris Gethard. Um, very funny stand-up comedian. Um, uh, who openly admits that he has fantasies about Anne Hathaway being naked. Uh, when Marissa Tomei comes in and meets Anne Hathaway, she immediately goes, wow, you're so beautiful. Um, so I will agree. Yeah, yeah, the film, at least the, the, film, char- the characters yeah, accept the that Anne Hathaway I, I is also, uh, sexy, but sure. not horny. Don't, now, uh, just before we get to this scene, uh, I will say that there is a brief uh, scene earlier on where... Uh, the Trey, uh, Trey, uh, the uh, composer and uh, Anne Hathaway are all having a meeting with a lawyer where they basically discuss options uh, for what they should do about this stuff. The lawyer says, well, no one's going to prosecute it because she's not going to go testify against you, so you should be fine. It might stick around for a bit. Uh, to which point, Peter Dinklage goes, what if they get married? <laughs> um, and they go, well, you we can't get married here, you know age of consent yeah, and so children. so Trey immediately looks up and finds out that they can get married in Delaware yeah. there's a, it, again a, a sort of like a, a scene that feels more grounded in its comedy yeah, but it's isn't that funny where they're like looking up the different states in which they can get married and it's like oh this one 14 but you have to be pregnant oh that's wild um, yeah. and Trey and Magdalena go through and they find out that they get married in Delaware as long as they get consent from one of the parents anyway cut back to Marissa Tomei she's uh, in Anne Hathaway's therapist office um, and she sort of beats around the bush for a little while. I I can't tell whether we're supposed to read that she knows that that's Peter Dinklage's wife. Because yeah, yeah, well, yeah. so there's well, let me let me talk you through sure. why I'm unsure. Because at the beginning, she is asked what her job, uh, what like how she grew up, and she's like, I grew up in a confined space. Yeah. And you're very clearly supposed to read yeah. that that is her trying to hide that she grew up on a tugboat sure. because it would be too obvious. From the mu- the the opera. Yeah. Two minutes later, she openly just says she runs a tugboat. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think that's because she didn't know it. I think she, I think she's trying to hurt him because earlier he basically says you need help. You're crazy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, she she reveals that she's the tugboat lady. So Anne Hathaway goes back. She starts um, gathering up all the stuff. She's gonna donate it to the convent and become a nun. Uh, Peter Dinklage comes back and he's like, Haha, that, I've, I've got commissioned. You're being a little bit weird. What's up? And it's like, I met your tugboat lady. Um, to which we get to the scene where I will accept one of two scenes that made me pretty sure, yeah. pretty sure it was a comedy. Um, she storms upstairs. Uh, Chris Gethard, her, uh, her client, is already there. He's upset that she's late, but he, say, he said he's let himself in. He's lying on the thing. And she goes, did I ever tell you about the story of the Krepach? Was that it? Yeah. Krepach? Have I got that correct? Um, it's a Jewish yeah. treat of some sort. I apologize if I've got the, the word wrong. But anyway, um, he's like, no, I, I don't think you have. And um, she starts to tell a story about how uh, there was a little boy who was terrified of these little uh, pastries. pastries. And could never get them. Absolutely terrified. And then meets with a doctor. 
and uh, the doctor says, well, wh- why don't you, says to the mum, why don't you try and make them step by step so he's not scared of them. You can see how they're made. Small little issue here, Al. Um, she is getting fully undressed <laughs> while telling this story. Yeah. Ah! And so, you know, parallels. It's like yeah. the man, the man's the little boy and, you know, he doesn't know. Um, and then she gets to the end of the story and she says, they make the crepe and they finally get to the final bit where it makes it very clear what it is and the boy just starts screaming. Uh, and thus, Anne Hathaway also does a banshee-like shriek yeah. while fully naked. Admittedly, this is, I believe, a PT-13, so you, 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 it's tastefully shot, and you don't see it. Well, tastefully is bad, the wrong word, but it's uh, it, it's shot so you don't see anything, but um, she does a full-on scream and cut to she's in bed. The nun has arrived for yes. some reason um, to, to help her out, and she's, she's had a, a little bit of a mental breakdown. But she does want to become a nun. But she does still want to become a nun, but the nun's like, Maybe give it a year. Maybe give it a year. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, they sort of Trey comes in. It's like we we've got to sort this out. And Trey's like, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Why is this now such a pressure? I love the lawyer's like it's probably not going to be a problem. <laughs> and and he's like, like, no, we've got to sort this out. Um, and so um, they basically uh, they, 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 they know that they can get they can get married in Delaware, but they need to have uh, parental consent in the form of that. However, yeah. they can't just drive there because earlier in the movie they set up. That he knows about he know, he knows, parental yeah. kidnapping. But, no, and he's got friends in the police, basically, yeah, yeah. because of his job. We also have had a scene where Magdalena and her mum, she like kind of freaks on her mum. And again, a reason why like the discordant nature, when we get to a really severely dramatic scene where Magdalena goes off on her mum, like crying about how Trey is going to have to go and like walk through neighbourhoods and admit that he's a child molester yeah, in the that's... future if this goes through. Like really heavy stakes. Sure. <laughs> anyway, you, I'm just, I'm no, reiterating. No, 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 no. It's, it's, <laughs> I agree that it's very discordant. Um, so anyway, at so... At this point, he, uh, Peter English goes back to... Uh, Marissa Tomei. Uh, he says, hey, could... Uh, she's back in the bar hitting on another new man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, carry on. Uh, he is like, uh, I need you t- for love. Uh, love? We, need to, we need to save love, my son. I need my oh, son. Right. Yes. Need to, you know, I need to help him out. Uh, and she, point... for some fucking reason, agrees to take him on a boat sure. to Delaware. Uh, the so girl gets... the, heist the heist begins. Uh, of course, uh, we need some stakes here. So uh, naturally, creepy uh, adopted father... Uh, takes the mum and uh, oh, we daughter. Have, it has been established earlier that he is a, a, a ren, not a renfair. It's not a renfair. Um, a civil war, re-enactor. civil war reenactor, and he takes it very seriously. And so he's taking the mum and the daughter uh, across to his um, civil war reenactment, and she's going to be locked down. So wh- whenever she's at school, she's at school. But otherwise, he's picked up and just do what he says, which includes going to civil war reenactment. They're all in um, period garb. He's gone off, he's chatting to his um, his officers, mm. uh, and the mum sneaks away with the daughter, finds Peter Dinklage, and they get on the boat heading to Delaware. We're basically at the end of the film. Pretty much. Um, they have, there are no uh, stakes once they're on the boat. No, yeah, they have a little nice scene where they're playing um, a yeah, roulette yeah. Uh, on the boat. They're singing along again. It's just kind of a sincere, sweet scene. Yeah. Um, uh, Marissa Tomei goes up to um, drive the boat uh, and Peter Dinklage goes up and, and says, hi, can I stay here for a little bit? Um, and she's like, look, I wanted to say sorry. Like, I've kind of ruined your life. I, you know, jumped in to bed with a married man. It wasn't family. I think it's bygones be bygones. And then out of fucking nowhere, yeah. <laughs> Peter Dinklage goes... It's not bygones for me. I found love and makes out with her. 
we think maybe this film had a longer cut. I re- <laughs> I am convinced that either it had a like two hour, two and a half hour cut, and some distributor said we'll pick it up as long as you can cut it down to ninety minutes. And it has that feel aggressively of like there are lots of bits which would still be weird, but might make character-wise more sense. Yeah. Uh, rather than, like... There are lots of the movie where the three big actors are not in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're in maybe, like, a third of the film. There was like. a solid... Like, about a half, two-thirds of the way through, obviously, we, we sort of come back to... Um, a Peter Dinklage is most of the time made towards the end, but about halfway, two-thirds of the way through, I was like, this film isn't about Peter Dinklage. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This film is pitched on like its, its headline is Peter Dinklage leaves like yeah. finds a muse he's struggling in his marriage and in his work life and he finds a woman who re-sparks his shit and I'm like that's barely what the film's about anyway he's now found love uh, they sail off to Delaware they realise Marissa Tomei uh, because she's a boat captain um, and it's Mary. classic and in movies she can marry them but they you know do the 24 hour thing whatever um that's basically it, right? They get married. Uh, oh, oh, and he writes another. He writes another opera this time about them getting married. But about aliens. But it's about aliens because when he said he got the commission, it's he was like, aliens. they want it to be about space. Um, and we we get the second and and I will accept the last shot of the movie is what made me finally understand this is definitely three million percent a comedy because they are uh, we've got the the opera going on and also all of the operas are bad. That's they're another not part. Good opera, they're they're yeah. not good. At, they're very bad operas. I'm not an opera man myself, but I assume they're not normally like that. Um, but we're we're cutting across, and you know, it's Peter Dinklage and Marissa Tomei, and they're watching it, and Marissa Tomei is clearly absolutely loving it. And then we go across, and it's Magdalena's mum, and then and then Magdalena and Trey are there, and then we slowly cut across to the last shot of the film, which is Anne Hathaway <laughs> in a nun's outfit watching the opera. And at that point, I accepted. Okay, maybe yeah, yeah. this is a comedy. <laughs> But it's, I'm convinced that there is a... Okay, so that, that's the film. That's the film. Let's try that's the film. We have, which we got through in record time. I know, we've done so well. Maybe it's because not much happened in this film. Well, but here's my thing. It's I, I don't dislike this film. It's oh. way more enjoyable than it has any right to be for us, the school as it is. In, in, enjoyable is a word. I enjoyed it. Like, here's my thing. It might be that you did something to me last night that was so heinous and made me hate cinema so much. Yeah. But literally anything I saw next, I'd be like, that was pretty good. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. Okay, so the the sheer confusion and trying to figure out and absurdity of this movie did make it not unenjoyable as an experience. But I don't think for the reasons that it wanted it to be. Like I say... The, the we can accept that there are things in this that should really signify and show this mm-hmm. is this is a comedy I'm trying to be funny yeah but it is a fault of the movie like it's not a fault of me it's not a fault of me Al. I don't know. it is a fault of the movie that I was constantly questioning whether I was supposed to be laughing at the bits yeah. I was laughing at simply because in the moments where it wasn't comedic it was so drastically dramatic in tone and that especially Peter Dinklage's performance alongside Marissa Tomei's performance I've said it before like one of them is giving a 
I'm in an indie film and I'm maybe trying to get my acting... I'm being unfair to uh, Peter Dinklage. He's a very well-respected actor. But, like, that idea of I'm in an indie film, this is my respectable performance. Look how um, sincerely and seriously I take my job and this is going to get me back in being leading roles in uh, in blockbusters. And then one of them is is reading... Who do you think Peter? That, that, I'm saying that's not. I'm not saying that's what. I'm not saying sure, that's, that's what Peter that's, Dinklage that's is doing. Anne Hathaway. I'm that's, not saying that yeah. that's what Peter Dinklage is doing for his career, but that's the kind of performance sure, sure, he is sure, doing sure. that someone who was at that point in the career okay. would be doing. And then Marissa Tomei is reading her lines off of cue cards live on Saturday night. I think she's great. I. I think she's great. If it's a, if it's a over I, absurd I think, comedy. I think you're questioning or not whether this movie is successful. Uh, I do not care to assess art on those terms. What I care what to do is to assess art as it comes to me. And in doing so, I laughed, I chuckled uh, many but a But you time. did not engage with the drama of this. The I drama is... It's superficially thin. It doesn't make... You know what? I did engage with the drama. Oh, I did. I you're just being it. contrarian now. <laughs> I liked oh. it. That was pretty good. Anyway, so, uh, of course, <laughs> when we talk about these movies, we review them uh, on a set of criteria. Different criteria, of course, for different series. Of course, in The Hathaway Stashway, uh, we naturally review it based on, uh, one, how good is this movie out of five? Two, how good is Anne Hathaway's performance out of five? Uh, three, uh, the Anne Hathaway... Uh, America's Sweetheart Sweetheartometer. How much of America's Sweetheart is and, Anne Hathaway in this film? Uh, four, of course, the Anne's Man's List. Uh, we decide uh, where uh, the men in Anne Hathaway's fictional life uh, fit on her list of ranked men. Yeah, yeah. So this movie... Uh, go, go, just, don't justify for me... Fuck you. You do, you do analyse films on how successful they are. Sometimes. Sometimes but, and, now, and now you're being difficult. So I want you to... You, you gave a whole, like, film student fucking yeah. analysis of this earlier. I you don't now it. just get to go, well, I just kind of giggled in the theatre. Tell I me how you analyse this film. I will analyse this film. I just think I think it's funny. I think it's a school. I think it's like... I don't think it's great. Uh, or do I? Maybe I do think it's great. No, I stop being think difficult. it's great. Stop being No, I, I... I don't know. I just... Uh, when the credits ran, I just thought, you know what? I just want to sit here forever. Uh, no, you literally stood up while the credits were running when there was literal scenes still going scenes. on. They were like montages of people. No, there, it wasn't. There, it it was wasn't a, a montage. It was, it was a scene of it was them on the credits. Boat. Credits were coming up, and there was a montage of them at the end being like, "This is their life now." I don't give a shit about that. That's not a movie. Uh, that's just motion pictures. No, Fuck but no, shit. but you literally just said that when the film ended, you said you could sit there forever, and oh. you literally didn't. You stood up immediately. Oh, I know. I felt that, and then I decided against it. Jamie, there's two different things. I feel with my heart. I think with my head. My feet, they live on their own. Uh, no, of course, I, I just... like I, I love Anne Hathaway's performance in this. I think, I think, I think Anne Hathaway... We're um, not talking about Anne Hathaway's performance. I'm talking about the talking film about the five. Phone. Okay, five. Five. No, it... You... It's not a four. Four. I'll give you a four out of five. I like it. I like no, it. No, you I don't. thought it was pretty fun. No, it wasn't! I thought it was a nice time. You could take your mum to it and she'd be like, ooh, giggles. No, your mum would be... Like, what, why is Marissa Tomei being like that? Uh, okay. So, on the drama side of it, because it is also trying to be a drama, very few of these characters seem to properly engage with each other in a sincere... Like, the 
the youthful love story is trite an unfair word but it's not anything new or deep it's young love thinking young love is special and unique we're never really given any reason to believe it's special and unique i guess other than both of them think that climate change is bad um that's kind of the only thing we ever see them really connect on um and then you don't really see you don't see why Anne Hathaway and Peter Dinklage's marriage is falling apart. Or at least, if you do, you don't see why they were ever happy together in the first place. Sure. They're like, like she is a neurotic mess who would be an absolute disaster to live with. Um, and he's a sad sack piece of shit. Now, now so, Jamie, things yeah. which you might describe as gaps in the script, I would merely think of as an economy in storytelling. Uh, you so know, I, she so has I, a nice house. That's a good reason to get married, you know? All good. Okay. <laughs> As a man who's transitioning into being a teacher while your wife is starting to become a lawyer, I think you might be telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and the, the relationship between Marissa Tomei and, and Peter Dinklage is just a complete farce. It doesn't make any sense on a dramatic level. We are never given any reason why Peter Dinklage actually... Um, engages and, and, and falls in love with this woman. We are never really given a reason why he cheats on his... Well, the the cheating on his wife seems to happen very quickly. It, does, it doesn't seem to have a lot of stakes for the um, dramatic side of things. And then on the comedic side of things, things are so ridiculously... Like, like the situations, not necessarily the jokes themselves, but the situations. For example... Marissa Tomei being a tugboat captain who seduces Peter Dinklage and is addicted to romance and shags him while stripping out of her tugboat and having lingerie underneath. Um, or, like, the young love being, like, the man trying to fucking use, like, secretly record his daughter, who is clearly just in love with her boyfriend, to entrap her boyfriend. But uh, just over the top, ridiculous that could be fine by itself in an out and out comedy but like rom-coms where you like rom-coms where you are trying to actually have a dramatic plot line not like really liked rom-coms but like an, an actual dramatic stakes and seriousness to your plot you can't have over-the-top absurd comedy it's it just it, doesn't I, work. I think it's going for the kind of melodrama that you have in operas is the honest thing like i think it's trying to go for these big things in a kind of ridiculous way and in the way that opera is ridiculous in terms of plots and it's all about big feelings and big emotions is what i think it's trying to ape like and opera can be funny like the comedy scenes in opera are like you know kind of class like they are large they are not it's it's going for a non-traditionally filmic like storytelling method in a film way that is my that's my smart analysis of this i like i, I don't get yeah, i don't think it's perfect that's why i gave it a four rather than five <sighs> but uh what would you give it out of five jamie i'm gonna say that this movie was one hour and 40 minutes yeah. and i was so excited going into yeah. this film about yeah. that and i checked my watch 30 minutes into this film <laughs> <laughs> and that is a, a horrible indictment of a film where I can't even be happy with how short it was because it still felt fucking long. 
So for that, I, I was so excited to give this a solid three stars because it's a one hour 40 film and I think all one hour 40 films should be three stars. Uh, this is a two, 2.1. Wow. 2.1. 2.1. Because I think Peter Dinklage is actually very good yeah. in this. It's just he should be in a different movie. He, in fact, no, he actually is in a different movie. Speaking, Peter Dinklage is actively in a different movie from everyone else in this Speaking of actors then, we of yeah. course move across to our... Uh, we, uh, how good was Anne Hathaway in this? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Anne Hathaway is a five in this. I loved her as a nun, as a Catholic myself. I I have uh, strong feelings about nuns, and I thought she did a good job at uh, showing a woman's descent into comedic madness. I do think Anne Hathaway was good in this. Again, in a completely different film to Peter Dinklage, but at least in a somewhat similar film to Marissa Tomei. So, um, yeah, I th- I think she is good in this. Uh we should take the pin out after I give my rating we should take the pin out of um, my expectations going into this movie sure. um, uh, about uh, who Anna thought was going to be um, but yeah I, she she is a good comedic performer but in a ironically more in films that are kind of dramatic like she she's not I don't think she could carry you know a 21 Jump Street or whatever um, but she can absolutely be she carried Ocean's Eight, okay. Ocean's Eight isn't a comedy. Ocean's, Ocean's it's an action comedy. Yeah, and that's the sort of film that she can. Okay. She, 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 she can be funny in that sort of film. Sure. She can be a funny part of a larger film. I don't think she can be the comedic carrier of a film, but she doesn't need to be for this. Um, her monologue is very, very funny, um, and she like shows she she actually quite deftly, I think. Um, ramps up her her OCD and her neuroses as the film goes on Um, in a way that like by the end you go whoa that's crazy but also I should have seen this coming Um, uh, so I think it it works really well I will give her a 4.5 nice nice we then move on to the... No, no, we're taking the pin out. Pin of, out. Uh, we're going to talk about Anne Hathaway's career. We talk yeah. about it every single time, about how Hollywood doesn't think Anne Hathaway is hot anymore. Um, so going into this movie, I was really trying to... I knew that it was about Peter Dinklage leaving a woman for another woman, and I was really trying to figure out whether he was leaving Marissa Tomei for Anne Hathaway yeah. or Anne Hathaway for Marissa Tomei. And I was really excited for it to be leaving Marissa Tomei for Anne Hathaway. So it would be like... Tra- in, I recognise that this is very sexist language, but it would be the the joke of the film that he would be sure. trading in for the younger model yeah. sort of thing. And Anne Hathaway is the young, sexy, attractive, because she fucking is, woman. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, was Marissa Tomei tugboat captain? Oh, yeah, but Marissa Tomei is uh, also very attractive, I will give so her So what that. you're saying is that he should leave his tugboat captain wife yes, for Anne Hathaway. Yes, 100%. But yeah, or I would, should Anne Hathaway be the tugboat captain? <laughs> That would be even weird, <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, um, I I was really hoping and excited for again. Maybe this is expectations of the film because a I didn't know it was going to be a comedy, but I was hoping for a chance for Anne Hathaway to play a, a sexy role, which it feels like when a woman hits forty, she just doesn't get to anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, as we previously discussed, uh, off uh, mic. Hollywood is sexy but not horny, and it's uh, it's terrible. Um, sad times. Sometimes yeah, yeah. Hard. So uh, I'm 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 desperately sad. That's <laughs> great. Anyway. I, I th- here's my thing. I think realistically, what this is in part a relation to is what Anne Hathaway. I think we've 
I think Anne Hathaway is actually on a good track. I think she's back on the indie film track, which I think is going to benefit her overall pretty well. Yeah, but this this wasn't a success. No, no, but but you but because of the structure of these kind of films, you shoot for like twenty days and you do like three of them a year, and like one of them hits. Dance. We've got Eileen coming up. I think that's good. I think I'm getting time for as much as I think she was. Uh, like I I don't love Anne Hathaway in the mum roles in these things. Especially no, because they're really underwritten. Yeah. Well, because they're underwritten, and yeah. she's like a two, she's a much better performer than what they give her. Yeah. But that is a critically well seen movie. It's got like Oscar nominations or some of. Uh, we've got a screenplay. Uh, so that I think is you know right track. This is I think wild, but at least she's willing to take a swing. It's, uh, there's been a recognition that she needs to shake up the brand. I think this is a swing. I don't think it's necessarily a but hit. It, but, it, but, like, her specific role is a more absurd comedic role, which doesn't feel like... That doesn't feel like the right direction. No, but I think what it does is it, A, opens you... Because, like, she has done comedies in the past. The yeah, yes, like, yes, the, yeah. like the, hus- the Hustle? The Hustle made money. Yeah, Get uh, Smart. Get Smart. Intern is uh, yeah, a comedy. It's a comedy, it's just a soft comedy. Like, the, you know, she has done those in her past... <laughs> I, it's like De Niro's dick in yeah. that film. <laughs> Put <it>. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not. I think she's still on the right track. I think the issue really for her is going to be. Uh, my guess is one. When was this filmed? So I have a feeling this is probably pre-COVID filming. Really? Uh, yeah, no way. I, I reckon my guess is like production. No, this is. Uh, but, but but she came to me. Uh, no, 2021. Uh, there was an earlier version with Steve Carell, Amy Schumer, and Nicole Kidman. What? What? Steve Carell, Amy Schumer, well, and well, Nicole well, Kidman. So that, in 20, yeah, so that would have been, that would have, I think that would have been a better film. I don't know. I don't, I because don't. that, then it would just, it would just be a comedy. Mm. It would just be a comedy, and that's fine. Wait, so, wait, but. Right. So wait, and no, so Amy, be, so yeah. Amy, you know. You know what? Amy Schumer as a tugboat captain. I can fucking it could, buy that. It. it could have been Nicole Kidman. Because in this, is the older woman is the tugboat captain. So Nicole Kidman could have been the tugboat captain. I would have liked to watch the <laughs> tugboat captain. <laughs> yeah, like... That's wit. Yeah. That's again wit. Like that alone. That's discordant casting. No, it's Steve Carell, Amy Schumer, and then Nicole Kidman. It's, like... Yeah, you know, it's, it's a time. Uh, you, you know that the director of this is the daughter of Arthur Mello, right? No. Yeah, she is. What the... F- She's no, the, one no. of his daughters, yeah. No, you're fucking... No, 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 I'm 100% genuine. Rebecca Miller is the daughter of Arthur Miller. What the fuck? Rebecca Miller. Uh, I genuinely think Anne Hathaway should go... Like, I think it's the right track, I think, on in a good direction. I think what it kind of is, I think, is trying to what find... What the fuck? And she's married to Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis is married to the daughter of Arthur Miller? That makes sense. If you I know it. it does, but that's... it. Like, it makes too much sense. Yes. Uh, so, of course, uh, that is us talking, our section talking about uh, Anne Hathaway's career. We then move on to the American Sweetheart's Ometer, which I guess, in a way, is related uh, to Anne Hathaway's career always. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is a low one for Anne. I think she's going to fall down to a one on this because nobody has seen this film and nobody will. Uh, well, no, but it's uh, but no, it's not about... The I, American Sweetheart's Ometer think... is not about the reception of the film. It's about the character. Sure. How much of America's Sweetheart is this character? And I would say... America doesn't like Catholics, Jamie. One. Protestant country, okay, bounded okay. by Quakers, but they do love neurotic uptight women. <laughs> Famously, John Apatow movies love neurotic uptight women. It's it's in a um, comedy is gold. I'm I'm gonna give her a, I'm gonna give her a two because I feel like um, inherently she's a bit of the underdog in this. You know, she's 
been left by her yeah. husband for a Marissa Tomei. And look, I think I think we do have to reckon with that, you know, all of us would shag uh, talk about Marissa Tomei. Yeah, yeah. But it does it does make you feel bad for her. No, I get um, uh, even if the film doesn't reckon with the dramatic consequences of it. So I'm gonna give her a two. I think she's got a little bit of that underdog factor that um, that bumps her up a little bit. Uh, we must move then on to Anne's Man. Where is Peter Dinklage uh, falling in your Anne's Man's list? I haven't decided yet. However, uh, we do know that there is um, uh, the the himbo fault line yeah. within our um, within our list. Where generally, if you're hot, it doesn't really matter what you do. <laughs> you're gonna end up in that top half of the list. And I've got to be honest, Peter Dinklage is rocking that like tortured artist look he, he puts on a beanie and a scarf he is. and art oh, he's fucking killing now now jamie uh do you want to go first or should i go first because i've got some thoughts on this okay you go you go no i haven't decided what mine is yet so really for me i agree with you on that there's a kind of there's a line somewhere of like if you're hot you kind of end up above uh for instance i would say in 22 uh anne hathaway's invisible space boyfriend from Insella. Uh, you know, she really likes this guy. Okay. Uh, he's not Matthew McConaughey, but he's pretty good. It's weird to me that I think the the best love interest probably of uh, Anne Hathaway is Matthew McConaughey. It's been on the list many times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I'm putting uh, Mr. Tar, uh, Peter Dinklage, uh, at number 21. So he's Miss, below... Mr. Tar? Yeah, we got Tar from the film Tar. And of course, Peter Dinklage oh. is kind of playing like a Mr. Okay. Tar. Okay. Uh, not Lady Tar. Uh, yeah. But he's below uh, the Baron from the Care Returns. Uh, so what, what number is he coming at? Uh, 21. 21. Oh, that's quite low, actually. Well, you carry on. I'll have some um, words after Yeah, this. no, it's, I, guess, I guess he does cheat on her. Yeah. He does cheat on her. But with uh, a sexually magnanimous Marissa Tomei stripping out of her tugboat captain uh, uniform. So, you know, you do have to get it. And I think up until that point, he's... You know, he's, yeah. he's he's the artist boyfriend. That's exactly what, you know, a rich lady like Anne Hathaway in this film yeah. wants. She wants to feel like she's got um, uh, a creative soul in her life. Um, but he does put his feet on the bed. He does put his feet on the bed. Yeah, not his feet on the bed. He puts his shoes on the bed. He puts yeah. his shoes on the bed. And that's pretty gross. So I'm going to say he comes in um, just below Bart Simpson uh-huh. uh, and just above Best Morgan right, Boy from right. the Other Side of Heaven. Now, now, Jamie, I actually think you're missing out someone here, and I will ask you to put this person on your list, of course. Uh, now, sometimes I see the romantic potential in these movies maybe a little bit more than Jamie does, and that's okay. okay. No, no, shut that's the fuck okay. up. Let me st- oh, oh, actually, no, to be fair, she does... She does she... get married again in this film, Jamie. Oh, no, I thought... No, she doesn't get married... What? Jesus? Yeah, she gets Fuck married you. to Christ, Jamie. Fuck she, d- you. she becomes a nun. She becomes a bride of Christ. I thought you were at least going to say the guy she kind Chris of. Chris Gethard? Yeah, no. the guy she no. maybe shags. Chris Gethard's not getting on my list. Um, you know who is? Or like her ex husband. So the question goes where do we put Jesus? Okay, because I know, I know instinctively we might think kind of low. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, famously did he have babies? I don't know. Let's ask Tom Hanks. But this isn't a Tom Hanks podcast. This is an Anne Hathaway podcast. And so, of course, we you know we look uh, we look around Mr. Tar. Now, I, I think Jesus is better than the Baron from the Cat Returns because Jesus is not a cat. He's yeah. a man. He's better than Mr. Darcy from Becoming Jane because he can say his feelings to people. He's good at communication. Jesus is Jesus better than the Diamond Thief Prince Prince from Princess Arts Two? Yes, Jesus doesn't steal. But what about Bruce Wayne? Batman. Jesus doesn't need a mask, okay? He's a hero. He was a, wasn't was afraid to be the, the good knight. He was the knight we needed and the one we deserved. 
Uh, what about the 12 step bro from Rachel getting married? Jesus never needed drugs, okay? I'm not that's okay if you do, but you know, Jesus just I mean, likes he's a little quite wine. famously an alcoholic, Al. It's true. Uh, he's better than The Rock and gets mug. Fuck The Rock, but The Rock's too high. We're gonna skip a little higher up, of course, to my top five. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll, yeah, we know what's happening here. <laughs> sure, okay, then, then I will say it at the same time. So five is. But no. Simpson. Bart Simpson. Number four is Hugh Eats Poople uh, from Hello Enchanted. Number three is Chew Yotelagia Fourth from Lockdown. <laughs> and coming in at number two, Jesus. Oh, Behind only Adam Newman. That's right, Adam is bigger uh, than what? Jesus. <laughs> oh my god, Adam Newman, the founder of fucking We Work. Better than Jesus. Bigger than Jesus. Bigger than Jesus. Literally. I mean, and that feels like the sort of thing Jared Leto would have said at some point in his career. Feels like the thing Adam Newman would say. Uh, right. Alexander. Yeah. Now, of course, we come to the question I've been dreading for the last 25 minutes, which is, is this film going in your blank spank? Um, are you stashing away this film? Um, is this the film that is going to galvanise humanity to fight back against the aliens? Or is this the film that's going to prove our worth to the aliens to uh, not blow us up? Or whatever other weird premises we've had at various points in this film. Is this film going in your historic blanks bank or not? It is not. Oh, uh, thank God. It is not going in the bank. Thank bank. God. It's, it's, as much as I love it, as a, it's a masterpiece of its own making... Uh, I would argue that it is uh, more of an opera than it is a movie. And no, no, you would. No, side, I would argue. The I would argue that you put your, your, you would, you were lying about your rating earlier. That's what I would argue. Do you want me to, do you want me to move it up? Do you want me to make it a five? Do you want me to make it? I'll make it a five. I'll okay. make it a five. I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, man. I'll have to re-listen to this. Just remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I have to re- and I don't want to because it's made me seething. Um, so, uh, of course, this is also not going in my blank bag. But when. The movie doesn't go in our blanks bank, and it's been a while, but mainly because we only record every couple of months of these days. Um, we, of course, need to present something else uh, to satiate uh, our dear listeners um, until they hear us again. Yeah. Um, so what are you presenting in its stead? Uh, going to, oh, uh, the show Midnight Mass. Uh, got little vampires. Uh, there's a spoiler there. There's some, there's some vampires in it. On an island. And alcoholism. Fun for all the family. What about you, Jamie? Um, I'm going to present the humble black squirrel. Mm. I'm in Canada. Mm. They have black squirrels here. It's a delight. It is. It's appropriate for the season. Yeah. It is Halloween season. Do you take them or do you, do you take them out back and shoot them? Yes. Once, once gone past well, October thirty first. We then bring out the reds, the orange squirrels. Uh, Even more delightful. Yeah, How spooky. beautiful and autumnal they may be. But for now, we have the spooky black squirrels, and they they just seem less shitty than grey squirrels. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I pointed one out to you the other day, and you were like, huh. and then you kind of moved on. But I'm glad. I'm glad they have found a place yeah. into your heart. Yeah. Well, I, I also. Gotta be honest, it probably says something about the country you reside in. That I did spend a few seconds there trying to think: can I present anything from Canada? And wow. all I got was fucking wow. black squirrels. Savage! You had you had some nice pork belly last night. That's not Canadian. You can put pork we belly, have pork in belly there. everywhere. You I mean, I, pork I, I mean, I can I can put pork belly in there every single time. As we know, my ex girlfriend would very famously know when a pork belly was on a menu because she'd hear me go 
ooh. And it's always pork belly. It's always pork belly that I see when I go, ooh. So I could put pork belly in any day of the week out. But I'm here in Canada and I wanted to represent your great nation with its symbol of beauty and grace, (laughs) the black squirrel. So with that, dear Alexander, we come to a close. What, when, when shall we three meet again? Uh, what, do we have question. anything else coming uh, out this year? Is Eileen, uh, Eileen, according to uh, uh, limited theatrical release uh, on December 1st before expanding wide on December 8th. So okay. uh, I believe at the beginning of uh, this year, we did say we were hopeful for a big year for Anne Hathaway. Um, it's... Hey, hey, I blame the actor's strike, okay? I blame the actor's strike on that, my friend. No, the films the films that we looked at were already made, to be honest. Um, and... What I mean is, like, it's not going to be good next year because there's... No, 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 no. But yeah, so we've uh, we had Armageddon Time at the tail end of last year. It was fine. Um, we've had... She came to me. Uh, differing views on yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, and and But Eileen, we are hopeful... Four. It is also bum, bum, 98 bum, minutes long, baby. Bum, Let's go. Bum, bum, Come on, Eileen. So we will see you in December, both for Eileen uh, and, of course, our yearly Christmas special. Uh, but until then, from me, Jamie, and my co-host, Al. That is one more ep in the bank. Can't believe I didn't do a single opera th- bit well, up until that's, then. That's pretty good. I like it. I like it. Thanks. It, it threw, on, threw you off. Yeah, they don't even have an ending bit. Blank spank. <laughs>